Hello, welcome to Blog Talk Radio. This is May the 7th, 2019, as Overcoming Life Obstacles. You know, sometimes when you have a problem, you think, oh, no. But, you know, if we didn't have something to overcome, we couldn't be overcomers. And the promises of God are to the overcomers. And the Lord, uh, basically, the principles I teach came out of God teaching me what to do in situations. And so I thank God for his word. I thank God for his discipline. I thank God for his correction. And I thank God for you. Thank you for listening in. I appreciate it so much. We're on the radio with Dorothy Carruthers, the first and the third Tuesdays of each month from 6 to 8 p.m. So we hope you'll invite people to listen in. And uh, if you need prayer at the end of this message, if you'll call 646-495-4784, and don't forget to press 1, I'll be happy to pray for you. And tonight's message, or today's message, depending on when you're listening to it, is on um, principles of of, of abiding in Christ, or you could say the benefits of abiding in Christ. There's many benefits of abiding in Christ. In fact, if you don't abide in Christ, you really don't know God. And I'll show you some scriptures here a little bit that really bears that out. And so what does it mean to abide in Christ? It means to stay under God's authority. It means to remain. It means to wait. It means to be under his control, under his authority. It means obey. Other words are surrender. Um, And those of you who've heard me teach, I teach about the potter's wheel. God's the potter and we're the clay. The clay abides on the potter's wheel. All the clay does is rest. And so whenever we are abiding in Christ, the scripture says that we enter God's rest when we abide in Christ. And it it says in 1 John, whoever abides in me does not sin. So the only time we're not sinning is when we are yielded to God the potter. And those of you who've been able to see the illustration, if you saw me in person, um, I use um, an overhead and show pictures of a of two clay figures, one that's full of junk and one that doesn't have a whole lot of junk. And the one who doesn't have a whole lot of junk has his arms folded and he's refusing to go to the potter. And the other one is full of junk, but he's the one that decides to go. Now, it could be... The one the one that um, looks the best could be the one that yields. But I like to use the one full of junk because when God first gave me this message, um, I was teaching 40-hour seminars, and I would look at people, and they would I would think, oh, dear Lord, they're going to think that they, they would just be freaked out because, you know, because the message was a repentance. That God's going to kill me in a minute. He's going to look at my clay and say, "Clay, you're just too bad, chunky you." So, I like to put the, I like to show the illustration with the clay full of junk on the potter's wheel. And you know, we're all full of junk. We're the, we're all a work in progress. But uh, in this uh, potter's wheel illustration, those of you who've watched a potter work, the potter does all the work. He uh, fashions the clay. He beats the bubbles out of it. He takes the junk out. You know, in olden days, the clay was full of junk, full of grass, rocks, weeds, sticks. Nowadays, the clay is more perfected, but it's the potter's job to take out the trash, the junk from our lives. It's the potter's job to turn the potter's wheel, to fashion us into the to the vessel that he foreordained for us to be. It's the, the potter uh, beats the bubbles out of the clay, and 
you know, that's what he's doing to a lot of us. He's coming without a spot or wrinkle, and he's ironing us out, and that iron is kind of hot. And so it's the potter's job to beat the bubbles out, to fire the clay, and different clay needs different temperatures. And um, and so God knows exactly why he let you be born. And so uh, to be on the potter's wheel, the only time we're yielded to God, and the clay, all the clay does is yield to the potter. Now, God says that he's the potter and you're the clay. And I don't have that scriptural reference, but probably most of you have heard that reference. So he's the, the potter with the clay. The potter does all the work, and the clay just rests on the potter's wheel, which is a picture of abiding. And the way we abide in Christ is that we yield, we submit, we obey. You know, I like to, um, I like to use the word yield to the potter, which means to come under God's control, which means abide, remain, stay obey but when i say obey a lot of times people think well you know god wants me to turn the potter's wheel and so when we do that we're under the law and we're in rebellion even though we're doing it because we think god wants us to and this usually comes out of a person that's been trained up to be performance oriented who's legalistic who is um basically has a pharisee religious spirit uh, it's a picture of a person who was trained up to have to perform or they only uh, got any attention or any love or affection when they did everything perfect. And so when they get saved, they think that God intends for them to perform. And so a person that's trying to turn the potter's wheel, trying to fix himself, um, is still under the law and he's still in rebellion regardless because it's only when I'm on the potter's wheel that I'm not in rebellion. A lot of times people say that obedience is legalism. Well, it's just the opposite. I'm legalistic if I'm not on the potter's wheel because the potter does all the work. And when I yield to the potter, the life of Jesus is manifested in my life, which is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. I'm under his refuge. Uh, I'm in his hands, and you know, there's protection there. How dare anyone think they can hurt anyone who is in God's hands, who has submitted their life to God? You know, I tell people sometimes, you know, you need just to, to tell God from now on this day forward, I'm your problem. And he wants you to yield, and all the clay does is rest on the potter's wheel. Your job is to do one thing, stay yielded. Now, when you sin, you fall off, confess your sin, get back on. And you'll fall off less and less. And, you know, in in real life, a potter, if the clay's not centered in the middle of the potter's wheel, it gets slung off. And so every time you feel like you're getting slung off, you just confess your sins, get back on, and it'll be less and less. And then in this potter's wheel illustration, I show uh, a, uh, a clay figure that wants to go to God, but he's afraid of God. And this is really a picture of someone that grew up being fearful of his mother and father. And he just has the idea that if he goes to God, God's going to smash him because, you know, our image of God is determined by um, the judgments we make on our parents. And then I show a clay figure that's trying to primp and get himself perfect with him. He's got a mirror in his hand. He's trying to fix himself. And that was really a picture of me. I thought I had to be perfect before I could come. And then I show a clay figure that, um, that, that's trying to shampoo himself and clean himself up. And all of these uh, figures are under the law and they're in rebellion, regardless if they want to come, but they think they can't or whatever reason, they're not on the potter's wheel. They're in rebellion. They're under the law and they're legalistic. And so 
when a person is um, in rebellion, he, he comes back under the law. And if you've not heard the message, I believe I taught it last uh, week on the, the law is for the rebellious. And so whenever I'm not on the potter's wheel, I come back under the law. And when I'm under the law, it arouses in me sinful passions. And so it's a place where I crave. Um, if you've got addictions, you're going to crave when you're under the law. And so it's a picture of for us to abide in Christ. It means to present my body to God as a living sacrifice, um, to abide in Christ, to walk in the spirit, to walk the highway of holiness, um, to be in God's refuge. All of those words are, and there's other words, but there's all these words are words for abiding in Christ. All mean the same thing. To, but to abide in God's word is to delight yourself in his word. Psalms 37, 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord, and you will have the desires of your heart. And to delight in the Lord means to make your heart soft, tender, and pliable to the Lord. And uh, when I got saved, I hated this world when I got saved. God used that. Um, I wouldn't have cared. If, I would have never. I was never suicidal. I wouldn't have cared if I died except um, I thought I'd probably go to hell. This was before I was saved. I could see no purpose in life. And when God saved me, all of a sudden I had a purpose and I had a reason, a reason to live. And so from the time I got saved, I could say I really delighted in the Lord. And uh, my husband came home when my boys were 8 and 12, and he'd gotten involved with his secretary. He was president of a bank, and he came home, and he said, I want a divorce. And it was the most uh, saddest time of my life. My heart was absolutely broken. We didn't argue or fight. He just got um, into lust and adultery. And, um, and I remember one night, just laying before the Lord in front of the fireplace, just crying out to God. And I said, Lord, you said, if I delight in you, I'll have the desires of my heart. And Lord, I know I've done that. I've made a lot of mistakes, Lord, but I know that I have delighted in you. And uh, now I look back, God didn't, God, God didn't restore that marriage. But as I look back 50 years later, I see that what my real delight was is what I'm doing now. You see, God knows what your true delight is. Um, and, but it means to make your heart soft, tender, and pliable to the Lord. It means when you hear the word of God, soften your heart. Don't be like uh, Pharaoh where, where, where Moses was giving him the word and then he hardened his heart. It means to make your heart soft, tender, and pliable. And the more we delight in God's word, the more he... Uh, he creates in us his desires and the more we decrease and the more he increases in our lives and then we pray according to his will and uh, not according to our own lust first john five fourteen and 15 says and this is the confidence we can have toward him that if we ask anything in his name um, he hears us and if he hears us we already have what we ask for and so um Years ago, um, there was a minister that kind of mentored me in my earlier Christian life, Christian years, and uh, he taught me to pray the Word of God for my children, to pray preventative prayers. And so my oldest, uh, my son is 57, and I started I started praying with him when he was 12 years old. And um, my my oldest granddaughter is 33, and my youngest granddaughter I think is about 
I'm guessing about 30, and my grandson is 27. And I can tell you, I started praying for them uh, about 47 years ago, and I can see the fruit of the prayers. And I prayed, I had an old living Bible, and I encourage you to have children, or if you don't have children, you have grandchildren, begin to pray now for their husbands, uh, their wives, begin to pay, pray for their mates, begin to pray for your descendants. And I began to pray all the scriptures in a living Bible. I just read a page and then I'd make a prayer, everything I can make out of a prayer. I prayed for my children and I can, I can tell you that my children, they're not perfect, but they all love the Lord and they're all prayer warriors and they're all committed to prayer and they're all submitted as they know how to be to the Lord. So, you know, we're all a work in progress, even though none of us are perfect. Only Jesus is the only perfect one. And so God delights. So, um, so God says this is a confidence we can have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if he hears us, we already have what we ask for. And so, I begin to pray the word of God, and you know the word of God is his will. Is that right? And then if you pray it out loud, the scripture says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I can say that that was one of the most beneficial things to my life that that uh, I learned in my early Christian life is to pray preventative prayers for my children, for my descendants, and for their mates. And I still pray for them. Praise Jesus. And God delights in uh, answering our prayers. Of the prayers of those who abide in him because it brings him glory. And Jesus said he was the light of the world. And he tells us in Matthew chapter 5 that we are the light of the world and we're to let our light so shine before men that they see our good works and glorify our Father who's in heaven. First John 1 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. You know, when I yield to the potter, it takes faith to yield to a, God, uh, to a God that I think may be abusive as my parents were. Uh, it takes faith to, to, um, to yield to the potter if I think he's not going to forgive me or he's like my daddy or my mother. But when I yield to the potter, uh, then his glory is manifested in my life because he's the light of the world. And so when I yield to the light, then his light, his glory is manifested in me. And so um, so we're to let our light so shine before men. Uh, Psalms, 90, uh, Psalms 89 verse 15 says, How blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Uh, o Lord, they walk in the light of your countenance. And so we cannot be reflecting Jesus' light unless we're abiding in Christ, unless we're submitted to him. The scripture says, Christ in me, the hope of glory. First John 4, I believe, says, um, as he is, so am I in the world. Um, Galatians 2.20 says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So as I yield to the potter, I have to crucify my life. I have to choose his way over my way, his plan over my plan, his attitudes over my attitudes, his word over my word. I have to choose to align my self with the word. And, you know, my flesh doesn't like to do that sometimes. But we have to get, deny ourselves and take up our cross and follow the Lord. 
Derek Prince says your cross not your cross is not your mother in law, not your father in law, not your husband, not your wife, uh, not your bills, uh, but your cross your cross is any place where your will violates our cross is God's will. And so that's taking up our cross. And so refusing to walk in the light is rebellion. Not being on the potter's wheel is rebellion. Uh, Job describes this type of person in Job 24, verse 13. It says, others have have been with those who rebel against the light. They do not want to know his ways nor abide in his paths. You know, another way of saying um, being on the potter's wheel is Isaiah 35, walk in the highway of holiness. Uh, I remember a false prophet here in Texas, I remember him saying that sinners could get on that um, highway of holiness. And I uh, emailed him and I told him, I said, brother, you're deceiving people because the Bible says no lion, no fool, no unclean can walk there. And he said, well, maybe if they get on there, they'll they'll um you know if if they get on there they'll change well it, we have to change first and then god will walk the highway of holiness and he said i'm going to take you off my email list because you just don't understand and of course i wasn't on his email list i was on another email list where i read his false prophecy uh, there's a lot of false prophets out there uh if they're just you know, a lot of them are just fortune tellers. They're just telling your fortune, and that's through a power of a demon. And, of course, the gift of the Spirit, is a, there is a correct gift, the gift of prophecy, but the, the, the counterfeit is a fortune-telling gift. It's, it's, it's done by, the, by uh, the power of a demon. And this particular prophet, I believe, has, I have been told that he is also into a homosexual lifestyle. Okay, Psalm 15 describes uh, who may... Uh, uh, abide in God's tent uh, Or you could say his refuge And you know you, I always use Psalms 91 but there are so many scriptures about, On God's refuge You could just use them all But it's, it, it, it describes a place of protection A place of safety But Psalms 15 says Who may abide in God's tent Which is in his, ref, is in his uh, refuge uh, verse one says, "O Lord, who may abide in your tent, and who may dwell in your on your holy hill? He who walks with integrity, which is the quality of being honest and having strong moral principles." And so it said, "He who walks with integrity," and I just told you what integrity means, and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. You know, not only do we need to speak the truth, but uh, to have it in our heart but speak it out of our mouth and uh, the scripture says in first thessalonians if we don't love the truth we're sent a strong delusion jesus said in matthew if any man or maybe this is in john i don't know if it's in john because i hadn't planned to use it but it says if any jesus said if any man's determined to do my will he will know if the teaching is from me there's many people being deceived out there because they're not determined to do god's will so if you're not determined to do God's will, ask God to do that work in your heart and to give you a love in the, of the truth if you don't have a love of the truth. Also, you know, when you speak the truth, you don't have to worry what you say, what you say worry about what you say or have to remember what you said because you always speak the truth. In fact, the Bible says that, that no liar will even enter the, even enter the kingdom of heaven. 
So if you've got a lying spirit, you need to repent of it because it's a sin. It's it's the wrong fruit. Then and it and it's a it it's a proof that if you don't repent, you'll end up in hell. Psalm fifteen three says, "He does not slander with his tongue." That's to slander people to speak evil. Boy, you can see a lot of slanderers out there. Uh, on the news and I, I personally only watch the news long enough to see if anybody got arrested because I believe that God's fixing to do a work of draining the swamp so Psalms 15 3 says he does not slander with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor or take up um, or takes up a reproach and the word reproach means to address someone in such a way as to express disapproval or disappointment so it's saying that a person that pleases God that can enter his holy hill um, doesn't reproach a friend against a friend. Psalm 15, 4 says, in whose eyes a reprobate, which is an unprincipled person, is uh, despised, but one who honors those who fear the Lord, he swears to his own hurt and does not change. In other words, he doesn't compromise. He does not put out his money at interest. Now, there's nothing wrong with having a bank account that drops interest. There's nothing wrong with that. But the Bible tells us to not charge, if we're going to loan a brother or sister money, we're not to charge interest. Nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things will never be shaken or never be moved. And so I want to live and abide in God's holy tent. His holy hill can be described in Psalms 91 and um and I've, you, I've illustrated that like a being under a big umbrella. And when you're under there, you're safe. The scripture says, if a man's ways please the Lord, it makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Psalms 91 says, he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High God will abide under the shadow and protection of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, you're my refuge, my fortress, my God, in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation. Um, I'll not... Uh, Fear the noisome pestilence or the arrow that um, flies by day or the noisome pestilence for a thousand will fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but it will not come near me. I only look on with my eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. So dwelling on the secret place of the most high God is another way of saying of just being on the potter's wheel. And, uh, and so failure um, to abide puts us back up puts us back under the law and the scripture says the law is not for a righteous man um and you'll have to excuse me i absolutely i accidentally hit something in my my ipad jumped about four pages so but anyway but dwelling in the secret place of the most high god you'll abide under the shadow and protection of the almighty um you'll be safe in the world we're living in you don't have to you don't have to fear um, the unknown You don't have to fear the world You don't have to worry about uh, The maniacs that are out there uh, You can sleep in peace I think it's Ezekiel 34 Says that you can sleep in an unpredictable place You can even sleep in the wilderness And of course you can't see God's refuge With the human eye Um, is but it's more real than the building or the room you're sitting in. 
And so for a failure to abide puts us back under the law. In other words, there's no law when I'm under God's refuge in his, on his umbrella, under his umbrella of protection, uh, or walking the highway of holiness is another way of saying it, or being on the potter's wheel, there is no law. But when I step out into rebellion, I come back under the law, and the law arouses for me sinful passions. And when I'm back under the law, my life produces the fruit of the flesh instead of the fruit of the spirit. And if I'm addicted, I have no control. Where I'm under God's refuge, I have control. Galatians 3.10 says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not abide by all things written in this book of the law to perform them. And here are just a few of the benefits of abiding in Christ. There's many more. But one sin will lose its power. Another is you will enter God's rest. You know, Another way of saying being on the potter's wheel, another way of saying it is to come where Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and humble, and you'll find rest for your soul. And so what is the clay doing? The clay's resting on the potter's wheel. So when you're abiding in Christ, you experience God's rest. Deuteronomy 28 says one of the curses is there'll be no resting place for the sole of your feet. A trembling heart, failing eyes, and despair of soul. So there's eye problems, heart problems, and no rest. And so that's actually a curse listed in Deuteronomy 28. And the reason it's a curse is because the blessing is wearing the yoke of Jesus, which is a picture of submission to his lordship. And that's what we've been talking about when we talk about being in his refuge or walking the highway of holiness or being on the potter's wheel. And there's probably many, many other ways of saying it, but that's three things that are coming to my mind right now. First John 2.27 says, for you have an anointing. You don't have, in other words, another benefit is you have an anointing. And it says in First John 2.27, for you have an anointing which you receive from him abides in you. And you have no need of anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you all things and is truth and not a lie, and just as it taught you, abide in him. So we don't have a need of a teacher because the Holy Spirit teaches us. It's good to have teachers because teachers, uh, I'm constantly learning from teachers. I've been learning things a lot of, when I go out and walk, I try to, I try to walk every day, but I don't always get to, but two or three times a week when I walk. I always listen to uh, preaching, good preaching messages, because I want to grow in the Lord, too. Uh, the next benefit is you'll have um, evidence of the Holy Spirit. You know, Acts 5, Acts, um, I believe it's in Acts 5.32, I believe, says that he gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So you'll have the evidence of the Holy Spirit. First John 4.13 says, by this, you know, we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. Abiding in Christ is an evidence that we have God. You know, a person that says they know God and they don't abide in Christ, they're not submitted. Um, here's what second... Um, Second John 1 9 says anyone who goes too far and does not abide in the teaching of Christ does not have God 
the one who abides in the teaching, he has both the Father and the Son. And, of course, you know, Jesus and God are the same. They're three in one. I guess someone has described it this way. The Holy Spirit, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and God is kind of like an egg. It's all egg. And so, um, but here it says, if we abide in the teachings, we, but we have the Father and the Son. Jesus said that um, I and the Father are one. Another place he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And so Jesus was the physical manifestation of God the Father. And then when he ascended into heaven, he left his Holy Spirit. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit always glorifies Jesus. John fifteen five said, God said, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you're the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. Without me, you can do nothing. And so when I'm trying to turn the potter's wheel, I'm in the flesh and there's, I can't do anything. It's only as I yield to the potter and he's the vine and I'm the branches. And so as Christians, you know, our source of strength is communing with the vine. It's connection, being connected to the vine. Can you imagine a tree? If you cut a limb off of a tree, a branch off of a tree, and it's not connected to the life that's in the tree, it dries up. And that's why Jesus said in John 15 that every branch in me that does not produce fruit, he cuts off and burns with fire. And so... God calls us to be fruit producers. If we don't produce fruit, God said he didn't, in uh, John 15, he said, you didn't choose me. I chose you that you might go and bear fruit. Another place in John 15, he says, bear fruit and so prove to be my disciples. In Acts, it says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And so a disciple is what a disciplined one. God disciplines every son whom he loves. He wants to fix our problems. He wants to get us purified. Another scripture that says that the ones that can enter the hill of the Lord are those with clean hands and a pure heart. And as we confess our sins, he purifies our heart. And when we yield to the potter, the scripture says that faith purifies my soul. It says that in Acts 15. And so we'll be called disciples. John 15, 8 says, you give glory to my Father when you produce much fruit and therefore show that you are my disciples. And we bring glory to God when we abide. John fifteen eight says, when you become fruitful, disciples of mine, my Father will be glorified. And then we can ask anything that we will and it'll be done for us. John fifteen seven, if you abide in my words and my words abide in you, you can ask whatever you will and I'll do it. And the fruit he produces in us is eternal fruit. It's lasting fruit. He chooses to ordain us and bear fruit that remains and cause us to bear fruit that remains. But it's only his life in us that produces fruit. You know, if you cut a branch off and it's no longer connected to the tree, there's no life uh, giving life to that branch. In Psalms, it, um, the psalmist said he was like a green olive tree planted in the house of God. And so we can't be a green olive tree if we're disconnected from the from the vine.
and he chooses to use us and promote us um, so that we can bear fruit that glorifies him. We won't be cast away, but we'll be saved. John 15, 6 says, if a man abides in me and he is cast, if a man abides in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered. If a man does not abide in me, he's cast forth as a branch and it withers and And men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they're burned. You know, sometimes people go to the hospital because they, they're really sick, and the doctors give them a death sentence. And it's because a lot of times believers that are not producing fruit, he's, they're cut off. And so the question to ask, if you're that person, have you been given a death sentence? And if God healed you, would you go back to being a couch potato or would you go back to living a fruitful life? I know my mother in 1978 developed cancer of the ovaries, and I led her to the Lord. Uh, When she was in the hospital, I led her to the Lord. And she went on and she lived from 78 till the year 2000 and lived a fruitful life after that. So... um, if you've been given a death sentence, repent. Maybe it, ask God if it's because you've been a fruitless Christian. And it's his fruit, and it only comes as we abide in him. As we die to our life, then his life is produced in us, which is his love, his joy, his peace, his long-suffering, his gentleness, his goodness, his faith, his meekness, his self-control. And then we'll walk in God's kind of love. John fifteen ten says, if you, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And then the scripture says, we'll abide forever. Psalms 27, uh, 37, 27 says, depart from me, evil, um, depart from evil and do good so that you will abide forever. And then another benefit is that we'll have a prospering soul and and have an inheritance for our children. Psalms 25.13 says his soul will abide in prosperity and his descendants will inherit the land. There's tremendous promises for God's children that are in covenant. You know, if you're listening to me and you have a child that's being rebellious and not walking with God, You stay under God's refuge. If he's outside of God's refuge, let the enemy beat up on him. Uh, Don't run out there with your little dinky umbrella and try to protect him from God's discipline. The scripture says that when my mother and father forsake me, the Lord will take me up. So if you're a parent that's got a, a, a wayward son or wayward daughter and you're enabling them, you're actually in rebellion. You're actually trying to keep them from God's disciplining them from their wrong choices. My son, uh, who died of AIDS in 1989, um, from the time from 1982 to probably 1989, my mother sent him $2,400 a month to because she couldn't bear the thought of him being on the street. Had he Had he been on the street and had to suffer that way, he wouldn't have had to uh, he wouldn't have to go through something stronger. You know, I've been praying for him for 20 years, Lord, do whatever it takes to save his soul. 
And so God had to give him a problem that my mother couldn't fix. And I'm, I had a good mother and I'm not trying to, to badmouth her. Cause I really didn't, I didn't want him on the street either. And I didn't try to stop her and it wouldn't have made any difference. She wouldn't have stopped anyway. But hindsight is that son would be alive today if she hadn't have enabled him. Um, and so I had to learn through hindsight. If he had had to suffer by going without food or a place to live or been on the street, it might not have taken AIDS for him to come to know Jesus. But praise God. I thank God he's in heaven. And so, um, so don't enable your children. But God says, if you're if you constantly getting delivered, and you're constantly abiding in Christ, that your descendants have an inheritance. You have an inheritance, but they also have an inheritance. And you know, you're if you're not living the right kind of life, uh, and not being an example to your children. If you're, for example, you're you've got your children living in a situation where you're shacking up, well, you can understand that uh, your children are suffering because for your children to get straight you're going to have to get straight Uh, if you want your children to do good you're going to have to align yourself with the word of god in ministering to people over the years i've discovered that a lot of times the parents children are doing the very same things they did and so when my children do something that that i think they shouldn't do or do i ask the lord did i do this and so when, as you repent, uh, God breaks the reaping process. Uh, this is kind of a sidetrack, but I remember years ago teaching in another town, and a lady said, would you pray for my daughter? Said she's going to marry a Muslim and move to another country, and she's a Christian. And I said, did you ever do anything like that? And she said, no, I never did. Then she said, oh, my goodness. She said, when I was in college, I was going to, uh, marry a bullfighter I went to the University of Mexico And I was going to marry a bullfighter And leave America Leave my mother and dad And when that mother repented That daughter broke up with that guy So she was reaping her own uh, stuff And so if you've got wayward children Ask the Lord to show you Are they doing what you used to do? If they are You're reaping what you've sown And so when you repent You're breaking things in the spirit realm you're breaking that negative reaping. Okay, another benefit is with him with it, with him you can do everything. John fifteen four abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in me, so neither can you unless you abide in me. And then we'll abide in God's love. John fifteen ten. If you keep my commandments, I already shared that when you'll abide in my love. You'll have joy because it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You'll have love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control so you can break your addictions whenever you um, abide in Christ and and choose to align yourself with the Word of God. I've shared this before, but I'm going to share it again since we're talking about addictions. I remember how the Lord taught me uh, one day I was going to make myself uh, uh, some fajitas, and I wanted three, but the Lord said I could only have two. Well, I struggled with that a little bit, but then I decided to obey the Lord, and the next minute I didn't even want it. And what the Lord showed me is when I'm struggling to die to my flesh to do what God's telling me to do, my flesh suffers. And it's kind of like an airplane taking off. The law of gravity is pulling 
pulling that plane down toward the law of gravity and it sounds like every screw in that plane is going to fly out but when the plane reaches another level the law of aerodynamics pulls the plane upward and gets it out of the law of gravity and it's the same with us the struggle when we're struggling to obey god uh, our flesh suffers and it's we're like that plane trying to take off the, the law of sin and death is trying to pull us down but the minute we choose to, to obey god another law takes us takes over and we don't even want it and so it says that in romans 8 1 the law of the spirit of life in christ jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death and that's what happens um john 15 verse 11 says these things i've spoken to you that you may be that my joy may be in you that your joy may be made full Another wonderful promise is that you'll be a friend of God. John fifteen fourteen, Jesus said, you're my friends if you do what I say. You'll no longer be a slave, but we'll know his will. John fifteen fifteen says, no longer do I call you slaves, for a slave does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. So God kind of lets us in on what he's doing. Another promise is you'll be um, you'll be chosen and anointed to bear fruit. John fifteen sixteen said, "You didn't choose me, but I chose you that you might go and bear fruit." So that's the reason God saved us is that we might go and produce fruit because that glorifies Him, and we'll have confidence and a clear conscience. First John two twenty eight says, "Little children, abide in Him that." that he may so that when he appears we may have confidence and not shrink back from his coming at his coming and so i've made a choice and i hope you will too to live a lifestyle of abiding in christ am i perfect no but i'm working on it i'm working on pleasing god more decreasing that he might increase in my life working out my salvation with fear and trembling. Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved him, who loved me and gave himself for me. So the secret and the key to abiding life, to living an abiding life, is to... Uh, continue surrendering it's full surrender there cannot be any area of your life you're not giving over to god don't hold on to your life uh, another little illustration that i shared on the potter's wheel is i have another little clay figure that don't want to go to god because he's got his hand in a cage and in that cage he's hanging on to his idol he don't want to let go of his sin you know in, in certain countries they catch little monkeys by putting a, a banana in the cage and the little monkey sticks his hand in there to get the banana, but he he when he grabs the banana, he won't let go of it, and so he gets trapped. And so that's kind of the way we are with our idols. We're going to stay in bondage when we refuse to let go of the things that we're holding on to. And you know what they are, and I know what they are. They would be in my life. And you know, number one, you know, we're talking about abiding, but you've got to be born again. And many, many people in the church, probably 90% of church members, 
are not even born again. They just believe in Jesus with their head, and you have to be born again. In John 12, it says, unless a grain of wheat, that's you and me, falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone, but if it dies, it produces much fruit. So I have to die to my life for, the, for God's character and nature to be produced in me, which is the fruit of his spirit, his Holy Spirit. I have to give up my life. And that's why a lot of people pray the prayer to receive Jesus, but they're never born again because they're not willing to give up their life. And so if you've never come to the end of yourself, if you've never been born again, the scripture says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away, and behold, all things become new. And so if you've been born again, you know that you know that you know. You can't even explain it. You know that God did something in your heart that you can't even explain. If somebody can talk you out of your salvation, you need to get saved. And you'll have to be willing to give up your life. Jesus said, if any man would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. You know, I I know so many people that tell me their husbands or their wives are saved and they're a ho-hum God. They're not the least bit interested in God, but they pray to prayer and say that they're just deceived. And so don't let that be true of you. So I'm going to pray with you. If you've never been born again, You've never been willing to give up your life. You've never been willing to um, let go of your life. Pray this prayer with me. Lord, I choose this day to give up my life to you. Lord, I choose today to let go of the things that stress me, to let go of the things that worry me, to let go of my children, my family, to just put them in your hands, Lord. And I just declare from this day forward, I'm your problem. I invite you to take over my life, to, to uh, fill me with your love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control. Lord, I choose to be on your potter's wheel. I choose to be under your refuge. I choose to, watch, to, wa- to walk the highway of holiness. Thank you, Lord, that I cannot do nothing of myself. It's only as I yield to you that I can have victory. And I just thank you, Lord. Forgive me for not staying under your authority. Forgive me for disobeying. Forgive me for rebellion. Forgive me for antichrist. And pray pray with me if you can agree. Forgive me for not delighting myself in you. Forgive me that I've hardened my heart towards your word. Forgive me, Lord, that I have not um, made my heart soft, tender, and pliable to you. Forgive me that I haven't loved the truth, spoken the truth. Forgive me for having a lying spirit. Lord, would you please forgive me for um, not praying according to your will? Forgive you, forgive me for not, forgive me for wanting my own way. Forgive me for distrusting you, Lord. I've been afraid to yield to you as a potter because I thought you would be just like my mother, father, to hurt me. That you didn't want the best for me. <clears throat> I forgive my parents that they didn't love me, they didn't want me, they rejected me, they threw me away, they abandoned me if they did. Lord, I just, uh, and I'm just praying these prayers because some of you out there that fits, if it doesn't fit, maybe it fits your forefathers, but if it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. But I'm just uh, praying what's coming to my mind. The Bible says that he makes intercession for us as we pray. And so, Lord, in the name of Jesus, I just forgive my parents that they never directed me. They never guided me. They didn't provide for me. They didn't protect me. They wouldn't forgive me. Um, they love me based on my performance. And I thought, Lord, you were just like them. And that was a lie. You're not, Lord. You're nothing like them. 
So, Lord, I just thank you that you've given me a measure of faith to yield to you, the potter. And I take my junkie clay and I get up on your potter's wheel. Lord, forgive me for not letting my light so shine before men that I would glorify you. Forgive me for not walking in the light as you're in the light. (laughs) Forgive me, Lord, for not walking in the light of your countenance. Forgive me for not reflecting you and giving glory to you. Forgive me, Lord, for being a person that's in rebellion. Forgive me for not wanting to know your ways or abide in your paths. God, I want to enter your holy hill. Forgive me for not walking in integrity. Forgive me for not being honest. Forgive me for not having strong moral principles. Forgive me for not working righteousness. Forgive me for not speaking truth in my heart. Forgive me for not loving the truth. Forgive me for um, a lying spirit. Forgive me for slandering with my tongue, doing evil to my neighbor, taking up a reproach against my friend. Forgive me, Lord, for um, expressing disapproval and disappointment against my friends my children, my family, my mate. Forgive me for not despising a reprobate. And forgive me for not honoring those who fear you and swearing to my own hurt. Forgive me for compromise. Forgive me for putting my money out at interest to other people, my friends. Forgive me for taking bribes. Forgive me for not dwelling in your secret place. Forgive me for putting myself back under the law. Forgive me for not abiding by your word, by abiding in your word. Forgive me for practicing the flesh. Forgive me for not obeying you. Father, in the name of Jesus, forgive me for not being connected to the vine. Lord, I've been drying up because I've been disconnected. I haven't been like a green olive tree planted in the house of the Lord. I haven't obeyed you. I haven't been your disciple. Lord, I believe in you with my head, but my heart's never been changed. I ask you to change my heart, oh God. Forgive me for not bringing glory to you. Forgive me for unbelief and doubt. Forgive me for thinking you won't answer my prayers. Forgive me for thinking that you answer everybody else's, but you don't answer mine. And Lord, that just really... One of the ways that came in is that my my parents did what my brothers and sisters asked them, but they never did what I asked them to do. And I believe a lie that you I believe the lie that you're the same way. Forgive me for not producing fruit to prove that I'm your disciple.
forgive me for not walking in your love, which fulfills your law. Forgive me, Lord, for not departing from evil. I want to do that now, Lord. I want to depart from evil. Forgive me for not having a prospering soul so I would have an inheritance for my children. Thank you that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me but can do nothing without you. Forgive me that my life has produced the fruit of the flesh, that I have not done what you've told me to do. I want to be your friend, Lord. Forgive me for being a slave of unrighteousness instead of a slave of righteousness. And Lord, I choose from this day forward by your grace to live a life of abiding in you, living on the potter's wheel. And, Lord, remind me when I fall off, all I have to do is confess my sin and yield to you again. And thank you for your mercy and thank you for your grace. Thank you for what you've done in my life today. Father, I ask you to seal these words to my heart in Jesus' name. And, Lord, help me know that your word says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In Jesus' name. Now, in the name of Jesus, I just come against rebellion. I come against Antichrist. I come against fear, doubt, unbelief. I come against every spirit that came in through making judgments against their parents. I break the power of every spirit of dishonoring mother and father. In the name of Jesus, I just come against pride and arrogance and boastfulness. In the name of Jesus, I come against fear of yielding, fear that God's going to make them do something they don't want to do, uh, fear, uh, fear of suffering, every spirit that causes them to resist suffering. Uh, we command that to leave in the name of Jesus. All spirits of anger and bitterness and resentment has to go in Jesus' name. All spirits of rejection. All spirits that came in through not being valued or loved uh, or nurtured or protected, I command every spirit of dysfunction. And, Lord, I just jerk them all on the potter's wheel in the name of Jesus. I break the power of fear of yielding, fear of giving up their life, fear of what you're going to make out of them. Uh, all spirits that would cause them to resist. Every spirit that tells them that their clay is so bad that, that you're going to chunk them, that is a lie. Go in Jesus' name. Praise you, mighty God. Every spirit that came in through everything that's been confessed has to leave now in the name of Jesus and take a deep breath in the name of Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done. I ask you, Holy Spirit, Christ in me, my hope of glory, flow out now and touch every person who's heard this message, every person who uh, is listening now, every person who will listen in the future, Deliver and set free in the name of Jesus. I praise you, Lord, and I bless you for what you've done in every life in Jesus' name. Praise the mighty name of Jesus. Lord, we just bless you and praise you and honor you and say there's no God like you in Jesus' name. If anybody would like prayer, um, call 646-595-4784 and don't forget to press 1. 
I thank you for listening in. Uh, Abiding Life Ministries, you can go to my website, and I appreciate those who support the ministry. Um, you can go to my website, and there's lots of free audios you can listen to, all of Dorothy's um, that I've taught here on, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, all that I've taught on Shannon Davis, Omega Man Radio, those that I've listened to, I've taught at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp. And um, anyway, you can write me at Post Office Box 1141, Lindale, Texas, 75771. And you can email me at Jerry McGee, that's G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E at sbcglobal.net. I love to hear what God's done. If I can help you, I'll answer your emails. I delete all these advertisements, but uh, I always answer personal emails. Right now, I don't get that many that I can't answer them. I guess if I got a 1,000 a day, I couldn't do that. But God knows how many I can handle and how many I can't. So uh, write me or email me and let me know what what God's done in your life. And um, go on my website. JerryMcGee.com, G-E-R-I-M-C-G-H-E-E.com. You can watch my son's testimony. It was made 13 days before he died of AIDS. And there's all those free audios that you can listen to. And um, if you'd like a meeting held in your area, if you can email me, I'll be happy to go wherever the Lord sends me. Uh, I'll be in Duncanville uh, for my Duncanville meeting every month. It's the first Saturday of the month and the next Duncanville meeting is June the 8th 2019 Um, I will be at Lake Hamilton Bible Camp May the 23rd through the 26th and that's 2019 I'll be in Washington State and this 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 meeting is just being put together there's no um, no set um, nothing's been settled yet but it's going to be the 12th through 12th September the 12th through the 15th, and I'll be in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, September the 27th through the 29th. And I encourage you to come to Lake Hamilton Bible Camp because we have prayer teams that pray for people, and you can actually get major deliverance. I tell people that if you come to all the meetings, you won't even know yourself next year. We have an awesome prayer team that prays for people. The, the the camp is very inexpensive to attend, and if you're interested, you can go to LakeHamiltonBibleCamp.com and uh, get information. It's very inexpensive, and um, anyway, there's uh, some books I would recommend that I wrote. One on clearing the land. You can actually go through clearing the land. It, it lists all the Bible curses, and you can actually get deliverance just going through the the book and I don't know if you know it but deliverance is an ongoing thing God's going to be which is really it's it's really the sanctification process which I call it deliverance or sanctification process takes a lifetime and you're going to keep on changing from glory to glory if you're truly God's disciple you're going to change from glory to glory to glory every day I want to change more as I decrease so that God can increase in my life And so um, I hope you'll listen again the first and third Tuesdays of each month. And I'm on Omega Man Radio the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month.
And so you can go to uh, Omega Man Radio and also Blog Talk Radio. But I appreciate you listening in, and I hope if you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, you'll attend our Duncanville meeting. We just have a small group, but uh, people get delivered. I pray for people personally. And uh, it's from 10 o'clock to 1 o'clock. The Duncanville meeting is um, at the Hilton Garden Inn in, in Duncanville. It's at exit uh, 462 and uh, Interstate 20. The hotel is on the south side of Interstate 20. Actually, you can see it, but it's in the Penn Springs room. If you'll sign up for my email, uh, I'll send the flyer out for these new meetings and also for um, the Duncanville meeting. But I hope to hear from you. I hope you'll write me. And then, we again, we thank you for supporting this ministry and um, I encourage you to support Dorothy Crothers Ministry. You can send her a gift by going to D for Dorothy, Churchy, Church with a Y at Hotmail, uh, D Churchy One at Hotmail dot com, and send her a gift. And I, I really hope I can hear from you. And if there's no calls, I'll just close and say, May the Lord bless you and keep you, and make His face shine upon you and give you even more peace. 